Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm Fatima Gumuo coming to you live from Studio B and USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Anthony Botino. It's Wednesday, February 21st. On today's show, a ballerina is accused of treason. Students talk about the job hunt and the Beatles are getting four biopics. All that and more from From Where where We are. Are. But first, let's find out what's going on in the world. Sam, thank you for joining us. So what do you have for us today? Brazil's foreign minister, Mauro Vieira, called for reforms of the United Nations. In the G20 meeting, Vieira criticized other countries' inability to be, quote, adequately equipped to deal with current challenges. Foreign ministers of the 20 leading rich and developed nations are meeting this week to discuss poverty, climate change, and global tensions. No arrests have been made in connection to the death of Oklahoma teen Nex Benedict. The 16-year-old student died earlier this month after what the police called a, quote, physical altercation in the girls' high school bathroom. Gay and transgender rights groups are outraged after saying that the altercation was a result of the victim's gender identity. Police released a new statement today based on the complete autopsy that, quote, indicated that the descendant did not die as a result of the trauma, end quote. The statement did not suggest a cause of death. Police are still on the search for three men who allegedly broke into a home and held a man at gunpoint Tuesday morning in Westminster. Shortly after arriving to the scene, police saw three men in hooded sweatshirts leave the area in a gray van. Officers tried to follow the men, but failed to catch them. Death Valley is now available for kayakers to use. Following a weekend of heavy rain, the lake lake in the typically dry valley has doubled in size. Lake Manly is now six miles long, three miles wide, and two feet deep in in some areas. According to park ranger Abby Wines, conditions for kayaking are expected to remain for a couple more weeks. Students in the village were awoken by an unexpected alarm last night. A fire erupted on the fifth floor of Cowlings and Ilium. It is speculated that the cause was an oven-related incident. It was reported that two students attempted to kill the flame with with fire extinguishers, but failed to do so. The Los Angeles Fire Department arrived at the scene and used a crane to reach the room and put the blaze out. That's it for today's headlines. Now back to you. Russia arrested a Los Angeles woman on suspicion of treason for donating to a Ukrainian charity. She was arrested yesterday in Russia. We're still learning details on this developing story. Yana Savitsky has the story. Russia detained a U.S.-Russian dual citizen on accusations of state treason. She reportedly donated $51 to a nonprofit that supports Ukraine. Russia's Federal Security Service, known as the FSB, said the 33-year-old Los Angeles resident was arrested in the city of Yekaterinburg and was, quote, involved in providing financial assistance to a foreign state in activities directed against the security of our country, end quote. Senior U.S. officials confirmed to several news outlets that the detainee is Ksenia Karolina, who became a U.S. citizen in 2021. Karolina was visiting family in Russia, including her 90-year-old grandmother, according to her co-workers at the Seal Spa in the SLS Hotel in Beverly Hills, California. 
the esthetician and ballerina allegedly donated $51.80 to Razum for Ukraine, a New York-based nonprofit, after Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine in 2022. In a statement, Razum's CEO, Dora Chomyak said it was, quote, appalled by Russia's actions and urged the U.S. government to, quote, do everything in its power to demand that President Putin release all those unjustly detained, end quote. Here's Professor Robert English, director of the USC School of International Relations and expert on the politics of Russia. For the Putin regime, I think it serves two purposes. Um, one is it sends a really stern warning to anybody else, don't speak out. Don't take a public stance criticizing the Kremlin, criticizing Putin, criticizing the war, or you'll be punished. And ordinary Russians have experienced that time and again. English said Carolina's dual citizenship makes her more vulnerable as she can be prosecuted under Russian law as a Russian citizen betraying her own country. He said this arrest is meant to send a message, as the Russian justice system is often arbitrary and unpredictable. One case might be ignored or get a slap on the wrist. One might be punished as if it's a capital crime. And it's not knowing which category you'll fall into. It's not knowing what the authorities might do that keeps people scared and guessing. English explains how Russia maintains control and intimidates its citizens. Arbitrary justice uh, is a kind of... um, Uh, evil. It seems chaotic or unplanned, but that's the point. It keeps you guessing, it keeps you nervous, and it keeps everyone saying, I better err on the side of caution. Even if three times out of four, nothing happens, that fourth time, it could be super extreme. I'll lose my job, I'll lose my freedom. Today, the U.S. State Department warned U.S. citizens against traveling to Russia. Earlier this week, the State Department said it has not been granted consular access to Carolina, but that it would pursue the matter further. For Annenberg Media, I'm Jana Savitsky. President Biden spoke in Culver City earlier today to discuss his student loan relief program. The plan will cancel over a billion of dollars in loans for students across the country. Ariane Colliantes has a story. Because while a college degree is still a ticket to a better life, that ticket is too expensive. And too many Americans are still saddled with unsustainable debt in exchange for a college degree. That's President Biden speaking earlier today about his saving on a valuable education plan and how it will save thousands of borrowers from loans. Since coming into office, the president has canceled almost $138 billion for about 3.9 million student loan borrowers. By freeing millions of Americans from the crushing debt of student loan programs, it means they can finally get on with their lives instead of getting their lives being put on hold. Enrollment for the SAFE plan opened in August. The program reduces monthly payments and shortens the life of loans. The payment plan's first round of forgiveness began today. The White House's emails were sent to 153,000 people and will clear $1.2 billion in loans. The emails were sent to borrowers who have been in repayment for at least 10 years and have a debt of $12,000 or less. For Annenberg Media, I'm Arian Coliantes. It's been a hard day's night and I've been working 
As spring break approaches, many students' attention is beginning to turn towards internships. For those preparing to graduate, the job hunt is in full swing. We asked students how they were feeling about the hunt. Isaiah Alwyn has the story. Finding an internship or a job is stressful. Many USC students are putting hard work into a search that might leave them empty-handed. Fiona Huang, a sophomore studying cognitive science and AI application, said she was burnt out from trying to find an internship in her field. I kind of stopped. I was like throwing out like a lot of like resume and like um, reaching out to a lot of people in the maybe like a few weeks ago, but I realized that I've kind of stopped just because I'm like tired. Even if they like reach back, um, I'm just kind of tired. Joshita Srinivasan, a senior studying computer science, feels the same way about the job hunt. I don't like job searching. It's really, it takes a mental toll. Different companies have different timelines and you might see someone get an offer really early and you're still looking. And so that comparison can be really stressful. Competition between students can increase tension. According to Rashida Jane, a sophomore studying economics and data science, applying for internships while studying for classes has made both more difficult. I think it's a very strenuous process. Uh, I think it takes a lot out of students and it's a very unrealistic expectation to have considering uh, our workload doesn't really change based on recruiting season, specifically for students going into finance or something that has a very clear-cut recruiting season. Jane said she applied for 50 internships. She heard back from 30 to 40 percent of them but only made it to the second round of interviews for a few. McKenna Moore, a junior studying public policy, applied to more than 150 internships last year and got just 20 interviews. A lot of people are like getting like continuing offers from their internships. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely scared. Moore, like many other students, is still hoping for the best. Irene Bagdasarians, a senior studying business administration, was a spring admit. He feels that puts him at a disadvantage, but it hasn't killed his spirit. You know, at times I just kind of want to give up and just travel, but I'm really trying to stay optimistic and just hopeful that I'll find something. Even though the rejections and unanswered emails can be demoralizing, the opportunities that do come make it worth it for Bagdasarians. If you apply to like 100, even just hearing back from like one or two places is just enough to kind of give you that boost of confidence, so don't give up. Srinivasan's advice was to apply to as many places as possible, use resources like ConnectSC and Handshake, and use ChatGPT to refine your resume for each position. Don't spam the same resume for every job. Uh, look at the job description. Now with chat, it's so easy to rewrite everything. So use chat, rewrite stuff, make sure your resume is tailored for the job. Justin Nguyen, a sophomore studying business administration, had more advice. He suggests attending job fairs, using the Career Center for help with resumes, cover letters, and mock interviews. But most importantly, to stay optimistic. Sometimes, or a lot of times, actually, employers might not reach out. It doesn't hurt to send a follow-up message after you submit your application, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of other opportunities out there for you to pursue, so just keep going. For everyone still on the hunt, best of luck and fight on. For Annenberg Media, I'm Isaiah Alwyn. That was the sound of the USC Thorns School of Music Symphony rehearsing for their big night this week. The Thorns Symphony is performing their annual New Music for Orchestras concert this Friday night at 7.30 p.m. in Bovard Auditorium. Led by Donald Crockett, chair of the composition program, 
the concert will feature original works from Thornton's student composers. When I stopped by the rehearsal in Bovard earlier today, I was learned in by a sound I've never heard before. That sound was the voice of Hannah Rice, one of the six student composers with a piece in the concert. Rice is currently pursuing a master's degree in the music at Thornton. I reached out to Rice to hear more about the meaning behind her music, but I haven't heard back probably because she was busy rehearsing. But according to the concert program, Rice is a composer and a cultura soprano, which is a type of soprano. Her music features themes rooted in deepening her understanding of personal and collective human experiences, especially those of women. Currently, she is interested in exploring the raw, cathartic release of screams and the different ways she can recreate this sound and feeling in vocal and concert music. So, Anthony, uh, now that you heard the sneak peek, do you think you'll be attending the concert this Friday? You know, originally I didn't have any plans for Friday night, but after hearing that, I'm really intrigued and I'm hooked, so I will definitely be there Friday night. You know, I also didn't have plans this Friday night, but it feels like now I do. I see, will see you Friday. All right, looks like I'll see you there then. There's a series of four new biopics about the Beatles set for release in 2027. Here's re reporter Tomoki Chien with the details. Brace yourself for not one, two, or three, but four new Beatles biopics that are slated to come out in 2027. There's going to be one movie for each of the Fab Four, that's John, Paul, George, and Ringo, all directed by Sam Mendes, who's best known for American Beauty, 1917, Skyfall, and Jarhead. Now, this is the first time the Beatles have given any movie project full life and music rights, so expectations are going to be high. But it's also not entirely shocking that this is happening now. Music biopics are something of a trending thing. Movies about Queen and Elvis all saw box office success a few years ago, and, just last week, a biopic about reggae pioneer and activist Bob Marley saw strong early success. But on USC's campus, students didn't seem especially stoked. Most seem to at least know about the Beatles, but struggle to recall much else. I don't know their names. <laughs> Could you name one Beatles song for me? Uh, imagine. No, that's Joe Lennon. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm blanking. Wait. <laughs> no, no, wait. Oh, no. Um, I'll, no, I can't pass. Pass. Okay. Uh, Lemon Tree is one, right? Lemon Tree is not. That was sophomore Valeria Gomez, senior Antonia Mancheva, and freshman Nathan Vianette. But thankfully, not everybody was totally in the dark. Other students knew who the Beatles were, so I asked them which biopic they'd watch if they could only watch one. I'd probably do Paul, because he's the most famous. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's the one I recognize the most. Probably Paul McCartney. Yeah. No love for Ringo or George. No, I mean, there's some love, but not, not, not two hours each of love, I don't think, no. <laughs> That was third-year law student Laz Pacheco and freshman Keaton Arava. For the record, if I had to choose, I would watch Ringo's. Because he's special and different. Like me. 
Annenberg Media. I'm Tony Pichu. So, uh, Fatima, are you a big Beatles fan? Do you know any of the songs? You know, not a huge one, but I do know some. Blackbird, Jude, Hey Jude, oh. and Let It Be. I think that's all I got, but I do know some. There you go. You know, every once in a while, I I tune into Paul McCartney's latest album. He dropped it like a few years ago, so it's kind of different, but it's something about it that I really like. I don't really know what it is, but... Oh, I didn't take you for a Paul McCartney fan, but the more you know. Yeah, no, every once in a while, I dabble in the old school stuff. <laughs> Last week, Matisse Dillette introduced us to the world of esports, and he is back with us once again. Welcome back, Matisse. Hello. Thanks for having me again. So, what do you have for us today? Well, guys, yesterday, uh, sorry, last week, actually, I talked about esports kind of in general as a concept, but today I'd like to dive in a little bit more into what uh, esports at USC looks like. Yeah, what does that entail specifically? Well, uh, esports at USC is actually quite a vibrant community, but kind of an underrated one. You have a lot of uh, varsity and junior varsity teams that actually play games and represent our school on a regional, sometimes even national levels. Uh, but we also have clubs that help these teams, uh, you know, produce or uh, publish uh, articles, sometimes even uh, promote them on social media, basically broadcast them to the world and show that they're there. So uh, what are some of the games you play then? Um, we have six franchises at USC right now. We have uh, some hit uh, games like League of Legends, Valorant, uh, Rocket League, Overwatch 2. We have also some more kind of games that appeal to more niche communities, I would say. But let me tell you, these communities are very vibrant and they're just as strong as the hit games. Um, but those would be Super Smash Bros and uh, Hearthstone. Okay, so these events that um, your team hosts, where can we catch them? Yeah, so uh, like I said last week, esports can be seen on both on a computer and in person. So a lot of USC uh, esports matches are actually broadcasted on the live streaming platform Twitch. So find our uh, Twitch channel, USC Trojan Esports. And uh, as of right now, actually, there's a bunch of League of Legends matches weekly. So Saturday at 3 p.m. every week, tune into the broadcast and you'll see what our players can do. Um, but we also have in-person uh, events. Notably, this Sunday, we have a SoCal uh, tournament f where our Trojans will be facing off against UCI, UCLA, and CSUF. Um, and I'm actually quite excited to see what's going to happen there. It's going to be in person. It's going to be at the Cinematic uh, School of Arts. Um, you can uh, see uh, a lot of the uh, info about the events on TVs around school, actually. It's been promoted on those, but also on social media. So definitely check that out. Speaking of your events and tournaments, I heard you guys have your own thing during Conquest Week too, right? Can you tell me about it? Yeah, Anthony, you're well informed for sure. During Conquest Week, uh, while our Trojan football team faces off against UCLA on the pitch, our Trojan esports teams actually face off the Bruins virtually. And it's quite an impressive show. Uh, right next to McCarthy Quad, I believe this year it was Thursday. I, I don't know if every year it's the same day. But it is a major event, part of uh, Conquest Week here at USC, and a lot of fans come to see 
uh, the players play. And special bonus, it's amazing when we win, which we did this year, uh, four to two. So four of our teams won, and then two were unfortunately beaten by the Bruins. Okay, so it looks like our football team may have lost the conquest, but our esports team brought home the W and definitely made some Trojans proud. So if someone wanted to get involved with the esports club, how do they do it? Well, it's pretty simple. It's like every club, you know, esports has socials. So go search for them on different social media platforms. But what I would especially, excuse me, recommend is you find us on Discord and integrate the Discord community. That's where you'll be able to talk to most uh, esports fans here at USC and see how you can get best get involved uh, with our programs here. Yeah, absolutely. I hope more people get involved. Thank you for joining us, Matisse. We are excited to see what we talk about next week. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hey Jude, don't make it bad Take a sad song and make it better Remember to let And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Marie-Louise Leone is our executive producer and Sam Bittman and Jack Waterman are our producers. We had help from Charlotte Comez and Jeanette Fu. Our board operator is Grayson Solomon, our live stream manager is Ethan Huang, our coach is Tina Rubio, our technical advisor is Sebastian Gruba, and Derek Renfo composed our theme music. Catch us live on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News, Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Subscribe to From Where We Are on whatever channel you're listening to right now. Finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Annenberg Radio. I'm Anthony Botino. And I'm Fatima Agamuo from all of us at Annenberg Radio. Wherever you are, we thank you for joining us. From, from where, where we are. are. Don't carry the world on your show.